Hey, how are we doing this evening, Fusion? Come on, man. Hey, such a privilege for me to be here with you uh, again, and it's going to be a fantastic weekend as we get into God's Word. If you have a Bible, would you go ahead and pull that out? And uh, if you'd open up to Matthew, the first book in the New Testament, open up to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. If you have a phone, there's a Bible on there also. It's an app. You just open that up too. All right. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to be, it'd be weird because I, I, I'm not from here. So I'm going to ask somebody to stand to their feet. It's, that's weird, but we're going to do it anyways. All right. So the Sermon on the Mount is a particular collection of verses in Matthew chapter uh, five, six, and seven. And, and Jesus is saying something to this crowd, to this multitude of people, but understanding the context that Jesus has just come out of. Jesus has just been baptized by John the baptizer in the Jordan. Jesus was then led by the spirit into the desert where for 40 days he was without food or water and was tempted by the evil one, tempted by Satan. Jesus makes his way out full of the spirit of God. So the same spirit that dwells within those who call themselves followers of God, followers of Jesus, that same spirit indwells in Christ. And Christ begins what is known as his public ministry, where he calls disciples unto himself, followers, students, folks who were just about your age. And this group of ragtag fishermen and tax collectors begin something that changes the face of humanity. But it was all predicated on what happened right before the sermon. Right before Jesus ascends up onto this hill, up onto this mountain, and preaches this discourse to these folks. It reads like this in Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering from severe pains, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Anybody need some healing tonight? Large crowds from Galilee, from the Decapolis, from Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. Chapter 5, verse 1. Now then, now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. Jesus delivers an unexpected message to an unexpected group 
of people, people that had come from all different walks of life, people that had come from with all types of different ailments, with all kind of different struggles, with all kind of different joys and pains. And this isn't a new message that Jesus is saying to him. In the first century world, many people would have said something like what Jesus is about to teach. But Jesus begins to talk about this kingdom that is nearing. He starts to talk about this kingdom that is coming. And now all people, all abilities, all illnesses, all brokenness, are invited into this kingdom. Hey, my friends, I don't know what you drove up that hill with a few hours ago, but I believe with all that is in me that God has an unexpected message. He wants to speak specifically to you this weekend. I believe that God has a call. God has a purpose. God has a truth that he wants to set into your heart as a catalyst to spring you into this season of your life. This season that is a great season. It doesn't matter what you came out of. It's about what God wants to propel you into and this weekend I am pleading with you to open yourself up and ask God to do what only he could do whether you are a believer whether you are a skeptic whether you are a doubter whether you are like all of us a sinner that you would step into this place and say God speak this truth into my presence Lord Jesus, I pray for every individual in this space that they may be spoken to, Lord Jesus, in a very personal way. Father God, let it not be my words, but let it be your words that penetrate the heart of the hearer. Lord Jesus, from those who accepted you when they were five and six years old at a vacation Bible school to those who didn't know that they wanted to come up here this weekend because they don't know if they want to hear more about this Jesus God. I pray that everyone from the skeptic Lord Jesus to the saint Lord Jesus would know you in a real and personal way and this weekend may you speak an unexpected truth into their heart space we love you we thank you in Christ's name all God's people said amen, amen. hey greet somebody as you sit down to your seat So like Bo said, my name is Carl Romus. If you forget it, it is printed on the screens. I, I, I have the awesome privilege of um, working at a church up in Northern California called uh, Bayside Church. We have uh, eight campuses around the Sacramento area, uh, reaching out into Davis, and uh, just a phenomenal, phenomenal mission that our senior, founding senior pastor, Ray Johnson, began 23 years ago, and gives me the awesome privilege to be able to come and share God's good news uh, with folks, and it's such an awesome privilege. Uh, my day job is I uh, get to lead our uh, students, our middle school, high school, college, our young adults ministries across our eight campuses uh so i spend a lot of time in meetings begging people for money um but someone's got to do the work of the lord um when i'm not doing that i am a, a, a full-time dad 
uh, and I love my wife of 10 years, Jen, and we have two beautiful girls. I think I got a picture of them here. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah, just bask in that, guys. I did that, that's me, 100%. Um, man, I love these two girls. Georgia, it, this is the only time they ever hug. Uh, Georgia is the older one, and Georgia is uh, seven years old, and she's having a great time in second grade. And uh, Ruby is uh, four years old and is in preschool and is the best. These two kids have just absolutely changed uh, my life. Um, but as a dad, you know, I, I entered this dad thing seven years ago, and I just thought that I, I knew what I was doing. I thought that I had all the answers. Are there any parent, a couple parents in the house? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I walked in and I was like, oh yeah. You know, I've been a pastor for, at that point, I've been a pastor for 10 years, whatever it was, and I'm like, oh, I can do this. This is easy. It's just like the kids at church. The difference is the kids at church go home at the end of the night. And, and these little buggers seem to just keep showing up. But I remember early on when we just had Georgia, my, my wife asked me to like uh, help. And, and I said, yeah, okay, I could do that. Uh, and, and she was like, hey, give the baby a bath. Georgia's, Georgia's probably one, in, one years old or something like that. And, and we had moved from the bath in the, in the uh, sink because for some reason we live like it's the 1840s and still bathe kids in sinks. Uh, and we had moved to like a bathtub to give her a bath in the bathtub. So I'm in there and, and giving her a bath and doing the whole dad thing. And, and, and then something uh, unexpected happened that, that brought out all my inadequacies and all my lack of knowledge and all my uh, everything that I didn't know what I could do came out in this moment as I'm sitting there and I'm bathing my daughter and you know this as a parent, you know when your child is about to defecate, okay? Their, their whole countenance changes and, and, they, and, and for some reason, Bo and I were talking about this earlier, for some reason they wanna look at you right in the eye. And it's like full eye contact. I'm like, oh Lord, what is about to happen? And she is just like looking me dead in the eye. And it's like, I'm like, oh my God, oh my God. And I'm like, no, no, please don't. Remember, she's in the bathtub. There's water in there. Please don't, please don't, please don't. And she did. And 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 I was just like, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, what is going on? And and I and and I left the bathroom. Don't leave your baby alone in water, all right? But I left and I, I ran into the kitchen. I said, Jen, something happened in the bathroom. Can you go fix it? And she's like, what? And she knows that I am inadequate and, and dumb. And she went in there and she's like, oh gosh. But she's a mom, so she has superpowers. And, uh, and she fixed it. And I don't know about you, but there are these moments in life where our inadequacies bubble to the surface. No pun intended. That's, dis that's disgusting, guys. Stop. Be mature. Oh, my gosh. There, there are these times where our inadequacies, they, it's, it's like, oh, oh, I didn't know that I had that in me. I didn't know that my anxiety was at that level. I didn't know that my depression was at that level. I didn't know my loneliness was at that level. I didn't know my doubt was at that level. And when we get to those moments, oftentimes we wanna 
go our own way. We want to retreat into ourselves. But like the multitude that came to Jesus and sat on that grass as Jesus gave this discourse, it is in those moments of doubt, anxiety, loneliness, sickness, that Jesus propels us into the kingdom. When we give those moments over to God, God will do something unexpected. And I want to offer you this evening very quickly an unexpected truth. This unexpected truth is a big idea for tonight, and it's this. Brokenness leads to breakthrough. Brokenness leads to breakthrough. What a beautiful song. Just it's God's sovereignty just working in that, and, and it's just there. That this brokenness leads to breakthrough. It's to understand that the for us to understand the reality of the kingdom of God, you and I, we must realize that we don't have it all together. And it's when we get to the end of ourselves, that is where God meets us. Jesus is waiting to meet you at the end of you. We're all searching and asking, where is he? Where is he? Where is he? And Jesus is like, keep coming. Wow. Keep coming. And the moment you say, I don't have enough, I'm at the edge of the cliff. I'm at the edge of my finances. I'm at the edge of the relationships. I'm at the edge of my studies and, and all these things. Jesus is like, here I am. Here I am. This is what made the Sermon on the Mount so much different than all the other teaching from rabbis of that day. And I see this illustrated so beautifully throughout the New Testament. Different accounts, different narratives that show people that walked to the edge of themselves and met Jesus. And their life was forever changed in the midst of their brokenness. I see this the most clearest in Mark chapter 5. In Mark chapter 5 is this illustration, this, this account of this man who is possessed by spirits, by demonic spirits. And these spirits have filled him up in such a way that he is no longer capable, he is no longer able to live in normal society. He has become the complete outcast. Further than the lepers, they put this man in tombs, amongst dead things. And Jesus gets into a boat and crosses the Sea of Galilee and rolls up on the shore of this man's brokenness. He rolls up on the shore of this man's brokenness. And look what it says in Mark chapter 5, verse 1. They, this is Jesus and the disciples, went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with chains. 
For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day amongst the tombs in the hills, he cried out and cut himself with stones. My friends, let me tell you something this evening. Self-deception is what keeps us in the dark. Self-deception is what keeps us in the dark. This man who has these impure spirits that has these, have these uh, 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 demonic spirits living within him has been casted out. His friends and his families had tried to do their best. Come on, somebody. They tried to do their best and they said, you're out of control. So we're going we're gonna to tie you up. We're going to tie you up, and if we bound you up a little bit under legalism, if we bind you up a little bit under success of a job, if we bind you up a little bit deeper in the things of this world, maybe you won't realize what's going on inside of you. And the man says, wait, wait, I'm broken, and what they did doesn't work, so I break the chains of my family, family lineage. Maybe you broke the chains because you're like, mom and dad, I don't want to be like you. You broke the chains of that relationship. But still, that brokenness resides in you. So you begin to take things deeper into your hands. And the man begins to take stones and cut himself. To cut himself to say, at least I can feel something. At least I'm in control of the pain. But that's him. That ain't nobody in this room. And this self-deception is what keeps this man clouded and stagnant. Not yet at the end of himself. My friends, I want to tell you something this evening. You can't do it on your own. You can't do it on your own. You can't do life on your own. You can't do community on your own. You can't do fixing you on your own. And we live in a microwave society where we want it quick. We want it now. You flip on the Instagram and you see what people have done. And you're like, I should have that now. Why don't I have that? You live in L.A. You live in La La Land. And you see the nice cars, the nice shops. And you're like, why can't I have all those things? God, why haven't you given them yet to me? And he's saying, because you're trying to do those things outside of me, and you're living in the dark. I love the way that Beth Moore says this. She says, we want it quick. Jesus wants it deep. We want relief. Jesus wants redemption. We want it for me. Jesus wants it for many. He knows what he is doing. His timing is, is right. Let's be patient. It's folly to take in our own hands what Jesus alone can do with his. Darkness will make you think you can do it on your own. And this is where this man and his brokenness is. But my friends, that's the mess of humanity. That's the mess of humanity. And Jesus doesn't typically show up on our best days. He is faithful on our best days, but Jesus typically shows up on our worst days. On our worst days to invite us from darkness to light. 
And if I can be real with you, as I've gotten an opportunity to, to, to be with uh, young folk and, and medium age folk like you, <laughs> the thing that I have seen over and over as I've just crisscrossed this nation speaking to folks and in my own context back home is so many of us are living in darkness. But darkness looks different in 2018. Darkness is when we become so comfortable with destructive behavior. We become so comfortable with destructive behavior, whether it's, it's, it's nationally, whether it's racially, whether it's ethnically, whether it's, 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 it's in gender, we have just become comfortable with destructive behavior. We become comfortable accepting negative situations and environments. We look at our streets, we look at our schools, we look at our homes, and it's just like, I can't do anything about that. We are rehearsing our failures over and over and over again. Some of you young women, you can't get over giving your virginity to that guy in college, and now it's inhibiting you from opening yourself up to that man that wants to marry you. Many of you young men, you can't marry that young woman because you are so crippled by this plague of pornography. And you don't realize that God has set you free from it. He has set you free from that bondage. And when it calls back, instead of saying no to it, you say, I'm going to step back into the darkness because in the light, too many people can see me. And because of that, we knowingly sabotage our future potential. We knowingly sabotage our future potential saying, God, if I can't get right, I know I can't do right. So I'm just going to keep walking in this darkness. And this demon-possessed man shows it so clearly. But the words of Jesus... Rebut. The words of the Savior rebut in Mark chapter 2 in Eugene Peterson's message translation. What Jesus says is, who needs a doctor, the healthy or the sick? I am here inviting the sin sick, not the spiritually fit. If you are sin sick, this is where you belong. Jesus is saying to the multitudes on the mount, he's saying to the demon-possessed man in the tomb, if you are sick, I am your healer. If you are sick in anxiety, Jesus says, I am your healer. If you are sick in relationship, Jesus says, I am your husband. I am your wife. If you are sick in your finances, Jesus says, I am your Dave Ramsey. <laughs> he has stepped in at just the right time. We also see through this account that it's surrender that will cast out that darkness. Verse 6. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. 
he shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus? Many of you, you show up to Fuse on Sunday night and you begin to, they begin to sing songs. Bo begins to bring a message and something starts to happen in your spirit. Remember, doesn't matter if you believe in Jesus or not. Doesn't matter if you call him Lord or not. You are a spiritual being. The spirit of God wants to indwell in you. And there's going to always be this fight of flesh and spirit. And when you start to hear the word of God, maybe it's happening right now, not because of me, but because the word of God is being spoken. You get this tension inside of you. And it's like, Jesus, what do you want with me? What do you want with me, Jesus? Jesus says, come out of this man, you impure spirit. Come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, what is your name, O Lord? Jesus takes your brokenness and he says, that doesn't belong to you. Come on. Come out of him. Come out of her. Come out of him. Come out of her. And as this is happening, as this is going on, as this, this eternal, beautiful transaction is happening, then Jesus goes, what's your name? And we want to say, my name is molested. My name is bankrupt. My name is addict. My name is drunkard. My name is porn addict. My name is, is, is shy. My name is, is gossiper. My name is guilt. My name is love. And we say all these things. And that's what Legion responds with. This man responds and says, we are Legion for we are many. There's a lot of junk inside of us. That's not the response that Jesus was looking for. That's not who Jesus named you. Jesus. Before your parents gave you your name, Jesus said, that is my son, that is my daughter. That we are children of God. And he said, and he begged Jesus again and again, not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs were feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among those pigs. Allow us to go into them. He gave them permission. Listen, you might be in a season and you're like, how is this where I am right now? Is anybody looking out for me? Where are you, Jesus? You got to understand Jesus is in control of all things. These evil spirits are asking him, what can they do? Where can they go? And he is ushering them into those spaces. Whatever is going on in your head space or heart space, understand this, my friend. Jesus, his time is not like our time. He isn't linear. He's like, listen, you're worried about you worry about that? Remember, when I spoke, all things you see and know came into existence. Do you think the way that I care for the lilies of the field, the way that I tell the ocean when it should stop, you think that I can't handle your little financial problem? 
You think I can't handle your little relationship problem? You think I can't handle your little sickness problem? I am the alpha and the omega, the what? The beginning and the end. And everything in between. The herd, about 2,000 in numbers, rushed down the steep bank into the lake where they were drowned. For those feeling alone in their sins, for those of you feeling bound in your past, there is a sovereign Savior who has arrived on your shore and is ready to get in the midst of your darkness. But he's looking for some surrender. My friends, this is our unexpected message. He's looking for surrender. He's looking for men and women to say, I am at the end of myself, and Jesus, you have been walking alongside of me, but now there's no more me, and I got to jump on your back. I need you to carry me. I need you to pull me along, but it's got to be you, because now it can't be me any longer. John 1, 5 says, the light shines in the dark, and the darkness has not overcome it. Listen, when I was a kid, I was a knucklehead, and, and, and me and my brother, we used to steal from this store all the time. This store around the block from my house called Pages. And, and, and we stole all the time. We thought we were cute. We thought that no one knew what we were doing. But they were watching us. Big sting operation. Like ab scam. It was crazy. And, 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 and one day, we go and steal at Pages. And they get us. And they're like, stop. You, ever, you know when somebody yells stop behind you? You're like, oh, Lord. <laughs> and instinctually, I was like, yep. It's instinctual. Yep. <laughs> Not because I'm black. Like, just, like, you know what I mean? like <laughs> some of you thinking, what's wrong with y'all? Like, yep. I just threw my hands up. A mark of surrender. I know I'm caught. I know what I did. I would go to the back office, and they don't even got to tell you. What? Oh, let me tell you. Oh, this is the 15th time we've done it. I took the chips. I took the starburst. Oh, Lord Jesus, don't call my mama. you going to hurt me. Like, <laughs> listen, black parents don't play. So many white people, your parents, oh, go to timeout, Timmy. Oh, no, my mom, my mom come in there and just whoop my, woo! No timeouts at my house. <laughs> So, but that's the posture of someone caught. You got to throw your hands up in surrender. And many of us are so busy holding on to our own stuff, holding on to our own plans, that we can't hear this message that Jesus Christ has for us. And when he's yelling, stop. Jesus wants your hands to go up. Because he's looking to do a work in you. Listen, you got to understand this. These people on the edge, on this edge of this mountain that day, that are sitting and listening to Jesus, they had come to the end of themselves. They had come to the end of themselves, and they needed healing. And Jesus first heals them physically, but then He brings this word that is going to heal them spiritually and propel them eternally. Yes. But there must be an act of surrender. Because here's what Jesus wants to do. The Savior wants to send light into darkness. He wants to send light into darkness. There were those who were tending the sheep. 
and the excuse me, those attending the pigs, and they ran off and reported to in the town in the court on the court, in the countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by legions of demons sitting there dressed in his right mind. And they were afraid. Can I tell you something, people? When you let Jesus do something in your life, you know it's working when people don't recognize you. When people get a little weirded out by you. And they're not weirded out because you're a Bible thumping, you know, oh, you're not one of those people. But they're weirded out because of your generosity. They're weirded out because of your love. They're weirded out because the words that used to come out of your mouth don't come out of them anymore. Instead of slander, it's, 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 it's love. Instead of, instead of uh, gossip, it's, it's, it's all these good things. And they're like, okay, something's different about you. And the people nearest to you, they're the ones who are going to be freaked out the most. But the reason they're going to be freaked out the most is because they are your target. Those nearest to you, you have the biggest amount of influence to reach them with this newness that has happened inside of you. And that's what's going on with his demon-possessed man. He's in his right mind and people are freaked out. And verse 18 says, Jesus done did what he do. And he's like, I got to go. I love this about Jesus. Jesus does his thing. He's like, all right, y'all got it. <laughs> Three and a half years. Y'all got it, right? I'm gone. And Jesus is getting into the boat. And as he's getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. I want to stay with you, Jesus. I want to stay in this little holy huddle. Oh, Jesus, it's so warm near you. Oh, Jesus, I don't have to look at my junk when I'm near you. I don't have to look at the sin. I don't have to look at the lies. I don't have to look at the, because I can just look at you, Jesus. I can look at you, Jesus. I can look at you, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. Come on. But the Apostle Paul tells us that we are temples of the Spirit of God. Wherever I go, he's already with me. Wherever you go, he's already with you. And that brokenness isn't your name anymore. It's that breakthrough that Jesus spoke into you. And Jesus says, go home. Go home. And the man goes home and get this. He goes home. He leaves the garrison. He goes to the Decapolis, the 10 cities. And this was one of the hardest to reach places in all of the Roman Empire. These 10 cities. He goes in there. Scripture tells us that later on, Jesus goes into this hard to reach place. And now there's this softness. There's this tenderness in people to receive God's word. And it's likely this man went back. All lit up for Jesus. And people are like, okay, if you did a work in her life, come on. If you did a work in his life, come on. George Eliot says it's never too late to be who you might have been. It wasn't too late for him, and it isn't too late for you. I believe this weekend Jesus has got an unexpected message for you, and he wants to tell you his breakthrough in your brokenness. He wants to break through, and he wants to usher the kingdom of God in 
your life. Your kingdom come. Not someday, but today. Not someday, but today. But for there to be a kingdom, there's got to be a king that sits on the thrones of our life. And Jesus is saying, would you let that be me? Would you let that be me? It's not God's intention for us to remain unchanged and unmoved by our brokenness. Not in our world, not in our homes, not in our workplaces. The Apostle Peter says this, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Like my two little girls, my special possession. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of what? That called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Friends, tonight, as we begin this journey of this weekend, I want to tell you, the junk, the yuck, the filth, the shattered pieces, Jesus is saying, would you let me do something in you this next 72 hours? Would you let me change something in you? Would you let me establish my kingdom within you? Would you sit at the foot of the mountain? and hear these words over you. Let's have the worship team come up. The work that God has begun in you, he is faithful and certain to bring it to fruition. He is faithful and certain to bring it to completion. And it might be a mustard seed size of vision and purpose he's putting in you tonight. But my friends, under this, understand this. God's called you on purpose, for purpose, with purpose. He has done that for you, but it's just believing. Not believing in the bondage, but believing in the freedom. I remember hearing this story, and I'll end with this. This group of college-age students leaves Wheaton College and heads off to England to go uh, walk in the footsteps of the early fathers of the church. And they head over to John Wesley's house, the evangelist that rode horseback from village to village, town to town, bringing the good news of Jesus Christ, ushering in revival in Europe. Hundreds and thousands coming to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And this, this, this group of students is, is in the house that Wesley grew up in. And, and the, the tour guide sends them over to Wesley's room. And they go, you see those two knee prints in the corner? He goes, those are where Wesley would pray. Sometimes three, four times a day seeking God's face. And his, his singular prayer was, God, would you bring revival to this nation? And the professor gets the students and puts them back in the car. 
And because they're a bunch of knucklehead early millennials, this is 60, 70 years ago, one's missing. So the professor goes back into the house and he hears some muttering and he turns the corner and he sees one of his students kneeling down in those same knee prints saying, God, would you bring revival to our nation? Would you bring revival to our nation? The professor walks over after this young man had been praying for a good bit while. And he puts his hand on his shoulder and he says, Billy, it's time to go. That was a 19-year-old Billy Graham struggling with whether or not the Bible was inherent and true. Struggling in his faith. But heard a call from God that broke him from his bondage. And he submitted himself to God's calling and knelt there and prayed. And God used him to bring revival to this nation. If God did it once through a Billy Graham, if he did it once through a Peter, if he did it once through a Paul, if he did it once to this knucklehead stealing from pages, I believe he'll do it again. I believe he'll do it again. If I don't allow my brokenness to be the end of me, but just the beginning. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would begin to stir in our spirits tonight. An uncomfortability, a tension that can only be resolved by your Holy Spirit. Father God, may we not be up here just for giggles this weekend, but may we be up here for work with you. For refining work with you. You are a God of love. You are a God of grace. You are a God of mercy. Usher us into the light. In your holy name we pray. All God's people say.